Genesis 50, starting with verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came. They fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in this place of God. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Lord, we love you. Fathers, we, as we look into this, this difficult subject of forgiveness, this difficult subject of, of how we are to, to act to those who may have wrongfully harmed us. Even though we may be in the right, Lord, there is a, there is a call here. There is a, a pattern throughout Scripture to be a people who forgive, a people who love, a people who allow a redeeming God to be involved. So Lord, I pray that you would, 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 that you would learn us today in these things, that you would teach us the, the goodness of who you are. And may we be a people who are seeking you in all things. In your most holy name, amen. As we're looking here, there was kind of three points that I thought, what can we draw from this as people living in the year 2021? And honestly, I think if you're reading this story, could this happen today? Absolutely. People are people, right? I know everyone here has perfect families, and you never have squabbles within your family. So. But, but these people did. They had a squabble within their family. And, and it, and it was kind of like, it, honestly, when you look at the story of Joseph, it was both sides at fault, to be honest. You, you had a father who, and a mother, even for that matter, who just, they just prized this one son. It's not that they didn't love the other kids, but they just lifted this one kid up above the others. And then that kind of gives that kid a big head, right? I mean, he had his own, his own coat for, for crying out loud. His, his father bought him a multicolored coat. It wasn't just a coat that was nice, but I mean, it was a coat that when the brothers saw it, it shined. And they looked at this coat and they just hated him all the more. So Joseph's at fault, the parents are at fault. You see, the brothers are at fault too because they're being jealous and we're not to be jealous people, right? But they were. And so in this, this family dynamic, we see where, where this hate was a terrible thing, but God was able to do something beautiful through it. As I'm reading through this this morning, I, I can't count the number of times that the Lord is taking something so ugly and broken in my life and made it to his glory. He does that, doesn't he? You know, when you talk about even pandemic, it, it, that, that pandemic should have closed our church. 
because we were apart for so long, but yet I, I believe in a lot of ways it's drawn us together. We've learned that the church is more than just coming together on Sunday morning. But during the pandemic, you know, there were people who were, who were being fed and people who were, who were being ministered to even outside of this, this facility. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It is supposed to be that way. The, the church is going forth and they're doing a work that is above everything that the world says. The world's going to tell you don't go any further than you have to. But, but the Lord says, I've already went to the cross of Calvary, so just trust in me. And so then again, when we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about doing the right things uh, concerning our family and our friends and even in our church family, that when we talk about these things, I want you to understand something today. It is not your good that makes forgiveness happen. It is the goodness of a good and perfect God. And so we rely upon Him today. So, so wherever you're at today, maybe you've been wronged, or maybe you've wronged others. We need to be seeking redemption. And here you have these brothers, they come forth, and rightfully so, here you have little brother who they had thrown in a pit and then sold to a, a bunch of slave traders. Little brother who they had taken his prized jacket and covered it in blood and took it to their father and lied to the father and said that a wild beast must have got him. All of this wrong that happened, you, you know, if I was Joseph, maybe I would have been a little more vengeful. And I believe he probably was at first, but the love of God ran through him. And his brothers come to him and they're like, hey, your dad said, don't kill us. Please don't kill us. We're your servants. And he's like, here's the thing. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's a different perspective in life, isn't it? Because a lot of times we'll, we'll go through a Monday, we'll go through a bad week, and we'll think, why did this happen to me? You'll have someone treat you terribly, and you're like, why do you treat me terribly? I've learned this in my life, that people who treat me terribly, I just go up to them and hug them, and I'm just overly nice to them. <laughs> and that's partly because I'm a punk, I think, but it's partly just because I believe we are to show people love whether they show it back to us or not. And that's tough. That's hard. That we, we need to be that type of people. And here, Joseph, uh, going to this, this foreign land and being really raised by foreign people, the love of God was still very present in his life. And, and he wants to be a person who can forgive. And this idea of forgiveness and faith, the pleas of the brothers, their cries to him, it reduced Joseph to tears. When you look at this story, you see where Joseph actually becomes very emotional. It's almost like in his heart of hearts, he's saying, this is not the way that it's supposed to be. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. We are not supposed to be living as family and, and doing things like this, hurting each other and talking bad about each other. We're not supposed to be doing this. It brings him to tears that at the, at the, toward the end of his life. Now here he's... He has family who are afraid that he's going to kill them. That's no way to live. It's no way to live at odds with your brother or your sister. Sometimes people within the church will live at odds with each other. That's, that's no way to live. Sometimes husbands and wives, they, they live at odds with each other for years. That's no way to live. The, the life that God has planned for us is a, is a life of redemption. And so we must rely upon him. Joseph's response shows that he had already forgiven them. 
And that their unfounded suspicions toward him did not alter his attitude toward them. It only remains for him to calm their fears and to comfort them by speaking kindly to them. And he did this in three ways. These three ways I want you to look at because I think these are ways we need to be incorporating into our daily lives when we're being believers in Jesus. Now, if I was to ask the question today, how many to, today in this place are believers in Jesus Christ? Would you raise your hand? I, w- I want to see. And if you're not, don't raise your hand. You don't have to. I'm not forcing that. But, uh, but those that are believers in Jesus Christ today that know Jesus, I want you to understand that there is a call, a directive for us today to live our lives in a specific way. We're called to be forgivers. Cut, cut out the, the, the ideology of the world that, well, if someone hurts you, you cut them off. No, that's not how this works. We love people. And how long do we love them? Well, Jesus said, you know, in, in the New Testament, people were saying, well, how, how, how many times do you forgive someone? I like Josh's meme this week, by the way. That was funny. I really did LOL on that one, so just so you know. But his disciples, they were saying, how, how, long, how many times do you forgive people? And that, you know, do you forgive? I mean, the, the, the law says to forgive somebody seven times. And then after seven times, you can kind of move on. And Jesus said not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, he's not saying to, to, to forgive a certain number. He's saying you just keep forgiving. You just keep forgiving. Why? Because Christ forgave us. Why? Because God is a forgiving God. And what the world might mean for evil against you, God means it for good. Think about this in this way. How many of you have went through evil in your life, bad stuff in your life, people treating you bad in your life, right? We've all been there. We've all been there. If you haven't ever been there, become a preacher and you'll find out real quick that happens. I'm just kidding. Y'all love me. But you look at this and it says that what the world means for evil, what those brothers meant for evil, what people in your life mean for evil, God means it for good. Have you ever thought about that for a moment, that the terrible stuff that you're going through right now is God working out a very good and perfect plan? Quit looking at it in a negative light like, man, you know, I have family right now who are very ill. I have family who are lost. I have family who are just going through some really rough times right now, and I think, why? But I know that at the at the end of this story, that God will be glorified. That what seems evil, what seems bad, is actually God working out something for the good. Does everybody hear that this morning? That's the message of, of Joseph. That's the message of Joseph. And because of all this, this, what was the goodness that came from it? Well, for one, Joseph was very smart. He puts back food for a famine. A famine happens, and now everybody has food during that famine. That's a good thing, right? It's good to have people in in high places that can help you. And Joseph was that person. But can you imagine the difference in the story if he didn't know God, if he didn't show the love of God? His brothers would be dead. You guys realize that the nation of Israel would not have existed as we know it? Because those 11 brothers... By all by what the world would say, those eleven brothers should be dead and gone. They should pay for their sins. Joseph, what would he have done? Would he have just stayed in Egypt and got lost in the Egyptian lineage? I think we would have never had Christ. It was all a plan. The, the bigger plan wasn't, it wasn't even the, the, the famine. I know we talk about that, and that's a good thing to it. But really, the big plan here was that Jesus was to come through all of this. 
You and I are sitting here today enjoying the goodness of the gospel, hearing the word of God today, worshiping together, glorifying God together. We're able to do that today because Joseph decided to do the right thing. Now, some of you are like, but you don't understand. You don't understand that boss I have. You don't understand that person I live with. You don't understand that family member. You don't understand that pastor, right? You don't understand. No, here's the thing. I may not, but God does. And God commands his believers to go forth and to live by this principle that what seems evil in the world, understand who's still in control here, right? I heard one of the most compelling arguments for baptism this week in, in one of my seminary classes. Um, and I think most of us in here would agree, baptism does not save you, right? It doesn't save you. But it is a command of Jesus, right? doesn't save us. Matthew 28, we read, we're, we're to go forth and make disciples and then to baptize them. So that's, there's a command there. We can't deny that. But through church history, you have a lot of folks who, who decided, well, maybe we can just baptize babies into the faith, right? Pedo-baptism is what they call it. We can baptize babies and now they're saved. Well, that'd sure be easy. That's a quick way to grow your church real fast. Y'all just start having kids and we'll start baptizing them. Our membership will just soar. But it's more to that, right? It's more to that. Some people, even in the modern church, will say, well, baptism is not necessary. Um, it's not something we even recommend. There's a lot of churches that do not even baptize anymore. A lot of people within the church, they, they may come to Christ and they'll say, well, that baptism, that's weird. I don't want to do it. But the thing is, is that we have a command from God to be baptized and to baptize, right? And what are you getting at, Daniel? Here's what I'm getting at. Who are we to change the commands of God? Who are we? If God has willed it, God has commanded it, then we need to do it. Would you agree to that? We agree to that to baptism. We are Baptists, and this is, this is who we are, and so we value baptism within our, our church. That's great. But let me hit home a little harder. Some of you are saying, well, I don't have to forgive that person. Well, you don't have to, but here's the thing. You are commanded to. You're commanded to be a forgiver. You're commanded to be a person who looks at the evil that may come against you and understand that God can do good from this, that that can be something that God can do. And so we look to him today, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Joseph does three things. I, wanna, I keep saying I'm going to do that, and I, I'll jump out of it. So I'm going to jump into it now. Here, here are three things Joseph did. Here are three things I believe that you, as a believer in Jesus, need to do today. Based on everything we've talked about, based on the fact that we have lined out this morning, and I hope you've heard it, that we are commanded to forgive people, right? We're not commanded to hold grudges. We're not commanded to do all of that. It doesn't matter if you're in the right or not. Which, by the way, have you ever gotten back at somebody and it didn't feel as good as you thought it was going to? Three things. One thing that Joseph did, he reminded them of the divine judge. They come to him and they act like, man, he's, the, he's one of the top guys in the land. And, and he, and he asks them, and he even tells them that. He says, do not fear, for uh, am I in the place of God? He, he's basically saying, am I God? You're, you're worried about me as if I am God. And really, he probably gave off that essence, that, that, that picture of God. You know, if he was truly a, a which he was, 
But being an Egyptian higher up, he probably had some fancy stuff on. And honestly, the Egyptians believed their rulers were basically like gods anyways, right? So they're coming with that thought that, okay, Joseph thinks he's a god at least, or he's trying to acquire divinity. But the response from Joseph is just, it's priceless. He says, don't fear, don't worry, don't cry, don't, don't be afraid. For am I in the place of God? Joseph was still a believer in God. Am I God? Why are you worried about me? Why are you worried about me? We need to remind people in this world who God is. And God is not, um, you know, God's not someone that, that we need to, to run against. But, but the thing is, is that God is someone who wants to forgive. God is someone who can forgive. And God is someone who will forgive if people will just come to him. Joseph was a high official. Joseph was not God. And we, we need to understand that the personal writings in this world don't need to be up to our goodness and our greatness. The, pers- the personal writings, the goodness that you need to do in this world needs to be based on a good God. Behave as God would have you behave. Let God do the healing. Sometimes it's impossible for us to forgive somebody. Would you agree to that? It's tough, right? Like, honestly, right here, I, it's hard for you to forgive some people. But the commandment is that I do it And so the only way that I can do something that's impossible is to trust a God who can do things that are impossible. So I trust in God. And he allows me to to do the work. He he works through me. He he strengthens me. If you guys want to know the power of the Word of God, we always say, read the Word of God to acquire faith. Amen? If you want your faith to grow, read the Word of God. And sometimes we just kind of take that as a, on an elementary level, that that means, well, I need to read the Bible so I can believe God exists. I need to read the Bible so that I can continue going to church. I need to read the Bible so I can continue reading the Bible. But it's much bigger than that. The, the faith that we're speaking of here is being able to live a life in which you glorify God. And sometimes in your life, you're going to have to seek reconciliation with people who have wronged you. And we can only do that through the Word. So, Joseph, he reminds them, hey, I'm not God. When you're talking with people, you ought to be very just, you know, on their level. Let them know, you know what, I've hurt people before. I've wronged people before. And I want to tell you about a God who can fix all of that. He reminded them who that divine judge was. The second thing we can look at is he taught them about the divine providence of God. He, he taught them all about that. Really through this, this passage of scripture, we see where he, he doesn't just tell them that, that, hey, okay, whatever, I forgive you. Just go on about your business. But, but Joseph was able to see the bigger picture. Church, are you seeing the bigger picture when it comes to your relationships in life? The way that you treat people? A lot of times at work, I, I catch myself because some days I just want to go to work and just work, right? But I often find myself being a pastor while I'm at work. And um, so I just try to treat people well. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I, I honestly, I try to treat people well. I try to, to act as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ at all times. And, and the interesting thing I find is those people that you may just joke around with at work or, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff you go through at work. That somewhere down the line, if you, if you portray Christ to them, they're going to come back to you and say, hey, can you pray about this? And maybe, maybe they'll say, you know what, I want to know that Jesus that you know. You see what I'm saying? This idea of forgiveness needs to be something we practice daily. Joseph, he, you know, he's, he's living this out right in front of us. 
He had every reason to be angry and mad and all of this. He, he lost years of the relationship with his father because he was in a foreign land. But he understood, at some level, he understood that God had a bigger plan here. Joseph was able to see that bigger picture. He was able to recognize and accept the divine providence of God. Do you guys believe God's in control? There's a lot of people in this country right now. They're so upset because, you know, their political leader didn't win, right? Who's in control? Can I remind everybody who's in control? Right? Did your football team, did, did they make the Super Bowl this year? If you're a Brady fan, that's just unreal. I mean, I don't know about this guy, man. He just shows up to some little ball team down in Florida and says, Hey, y'all want to go to the Super Bowl? And they do. But do you, when you think about this today, guys, do you trust in the providence of God? Do you trust in who he is? Joseph reminds them, if he doesn't teach them, he reminds them that God is in control here. He reminds them that he is not God. And then he does something different. He does something definitely. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm not God, and God can do the healing here. But then in the last point I want us to look at this morning, it says, he promised to do them good. He didn't just say it. He didn't just believe it. But guys, check this out. He lived it. Your forgiveness of people is not just saying, all right, you're forgiven. Go on about your life. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> That'd be easy, right? And some of us have forgiven people like that. And I want to tell you today, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not like, okay, whatever. I'm tired of talking about it. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. But here Joseph, in verse 21, after telling them, I'm not God, God is over all things, God is in control, then what does he tell them? He says, don't fear, I'm going to take care of you and your little ones. What Joseph does here is amazing. Because here's where we see God working through a person. I remember a few years ago, there were some people, we were feeding a bunch of youth every week on a Wednesday night. I hate to keep bringing this up, but it just, it sticks out to me, big time. Because I think about it all the time. And I really, I, I base a lot of my ministry on what I learned during that time in my ministry. That, and, and the one of the things I remember, we were, we were feeding a bunch of kids, right? Every Wednesday night, a bunch of kids were coming in. I'm talking like 60 kids feeding them, right? Just youth. We, we weren't even doing the kids' ministry. We were just doing youth. And these kids were coming in every week, and we were feeding them. And I remember we were at a business meeting, and they're going over numbers and stuff. And somebody brought up the question, and I, I don't care. I don't even remember who it was, but I know what they asked. They said, how many of these kids are we going to feed? Like, there was a question in our ministry here at First Baptist. It was like, is there a cutoff point? You know, well, we only allow 50 kids. Sorry. Show up earlier next week. Show up earlier next week. What I've found over the years is that the more giving we are as a church, the more God blesses us. Our Awana's program, we don't charge kids for anything, right? Poor FBC kids, we don't charge them for that. We just say, come and learn about Jesus. Our food pantry, you know, we could say, well, hey, can y'all give us like $5 to pay for the box and you know, that we, that we stick your food in or something like that. We don't. We don't. We just, we just give to people. And, and honestly, most of the time, when you're, the people you're giving to, by a worldly mindset, we should not be giving them anything because they don't deserve it. 
But I'll be honest with you this morning. How many of us in here deserve salvation today? None of us. There's not a cotton-picking one of us that deserve salvation in this place today or anywhere in this world. But God gave it to us freely. And so Joseph shows what God does daily. Joseph shows here, and he says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you and your little ones. And then he said, then this, it's not just, all right, let's just go deeper with this story of Joseph, right? He reminds them who God is. He reminds them that God's in control. He says, all right, I'm going to take care of you. He goes one step further. Look at that last verse, that last part of the verse there. He comforted them. He comforted them. He spoke kindly to them. You guys catching the full story here? He didn't just forgive them. He didn't just say, oh, yeah, God will forgive you. God's in control. Go somewhere else. No, hey, come here. I'm going to take care of y'all. Not even, not, not even that. It says that he went and he comforted them. And he spoke kindly to them. He, he went that extra step. <laughs> he went that extra step because he wanted true reconciliation with his family. And he did all this because God was in control. Guys, can you hear that this morning? That's, that's our command. Take it further. Don't just forgive people. Don't just say, well, I'm just not going to be mad at them anymore. I'm not going to think about it anymore. No, go to them, be kind to them, love them, take care of them. That's, that's really the picture we get out of the story of Joseph. And today, you and I need to be doing that in our lives. Because I guarantee you, there are broken relationships in every person's life here. There are people that you've had a hard time with. Look to Joseph. And really, not even look to Joseph, but look to what God did through Joseph. Joseph takes no credit for this, by the way. And because of that, you know, the, the, the children of Israel, they end up being a people who grow and grow and grow. And as we get into the next story, right, they become a great nation. The pyramids are built. Were they built by the Israelites or not? I mean, well, we don't know for sure, I guess. There's lots of arguments on that. But I know they were building stuff when they were slaves. But then God, again, redeems them. And they're able to go and to do all that they've done. What does the New Testament say about this? First Peter. First Peter. Look here, real quick. First Peter chapter 3 says this. It says, finally, all of you have unity of minds. I'm going to say that again, okay? This is good for church stuff, man. We want to go into 2021 as a powerhouse for God. Everybody look at these words. Finally. Go back and read everything else that was said. But when it's all said and done, listen to these words. Finally. All of you have unity of minds. Sympathy. Brotherly love. A tender heart, a humble mind. And I listen to that, and I think there's a part of me as a believer, I want that for Daniel. I watched a movie a, a few weeks ago with, with the family. It was uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the, the movie. Won't you be my neighbor? I grew up on Mr. Rogers. Today, people would say he's creepy. Man, he was just like, like, 
just a big influence in my life early on. And the reason is because he was just such a friendly guy, like to everyone. He'd bring snot-nosed kids on there, and he was just so loving to them, you know? One of the things that I think that was interesting with, with Mr. Rogers is he had people of color on there with him, you know? That was kind of weird for the time. He, he did a lot of things that I, I believe, and you guys know, I mean, Mr. Rogers was like a Christian, right? But I believe he lived by this principle. I believe Joseph was living by this principle. And I believe as a, as a born-again believer in 2021 that we all need to be living by this principle. We, we need to have a unity of mind. Within the church, our mind needs to be unified. What is that? Advancing the gospel. We need to have sympathy towards people. We need to, to, to show brotherly love. We need to have a tender heart. We need to have a humble mind. Look at verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil. <laughs> That doesn't sound like Facebook to me. I think today I'm going to post a post that says, do not pay evil for evil. That's way different than, you cut your own throat. I'm cutting off that evil out of my life. I don't need that negativity in my life. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that that negativity and that evil could be God working something out for the good. Do not repay evil for evil. Or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. <laughs> we live in the South, and everybody, you know, if you say, bless his heart, bless your heart, that really just means like you're an idiot. I mean, that's really like in the modern term, that's really what that means. Is if somebody says something, you're like, bless your heart. You're just like, man, I have pity for you. But no, this is, this word is different. On the contrary, it says, bless people, bless. For to this, everybody listen. For to this, blessing people, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. How many of you want to obtain a blessing? Joseph obtained a blessing because he blessed others. Well, what was the blessing, Daniel? Well, he didn't continue living in anger and hate, but he continued to live in love. And because of that, now he had family. Now he was able to show his kids off, and, and the, the cousins got together, and they had fun. How, how much of a blessing that was in Joseph's life. Yeah, he missed years with his mom and his dad. He missed, he missed all of that. He, he had all of those things, but God took something bad, and he made it good. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't, don't, don't do this. Bless. Why? Because we're called to that. And because we do that, when we bless people, we're going to be blessed. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Who's he talking to here? As I'm reading through this this morning, I want, I want to ask the question, who, who's the writer talking to? He's talking to believers. Keep your, keep your tongue from evil. Just don't say bad stuff. Just don't. I have kids. Those are lessons you have to teach kids, right? Because kids are going to mouth and kids are going to talk. And you guys say, you can't do that. And sometimes you're like, you've got the right to say that, but you can't do it. <laughs> There's times I want to say stuff to people, but I'm just like, no, no. I've got to deal with that. Keep your tongue from evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. Don't tell lies on people. Don't spread false information. You know, Facebook's got this whole thing now that if you, if you share something and it's not, you know, it's been fact-checked. I don't know by who. 
they'll like kick you off Facebook because it's not, you know, that's false information. Guys, we need that in our lives spiritually. And, and what I want you to understand is we do have that. It's called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> don't, don't spread deceit. Don't spread lies. Whoever, now listen, he says you're called to bless people so that you can re- obtain a blessing. He says, but whoever, verse 10, desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceit. I'm saying that again because I want you to hear it. That's the call of the believer today. If there's anything that rolls off your tongue, it should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be leading people to Jesus. If you desire to love life and see good days, live a life that you glorify God. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and then pursue it. When I, when I think about that verse, let him seek peace and pursue it, Joseph is that, he's that great example, right? He sought peace. Hey, God is here. I'm not God. God is in control. I'm going to take care of you. But then he also pursues it by loving his brothers, by consoling his brothers, by by crying with his brothers, by loving them. Seek peace. But don't just seek it, but then pursue it. Live it, right? Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God's watching us. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God's not for people who are against him. That should be a fearful thing for us, shouldn't it? Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Is there anything out there bigger than God? If God's going to turn all the bad stuff to good anyways, then what are we worried about? Why can't we forgive? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, and again, we're talking about, you know, I think it coordinates, I think it goes, it's, it's the principles there. Um, really, the writer here, he's talking about the church suffering for preaching the gospel when you're reading through this. But it crosses over just to your, your everyday life, too. It's the same principle, right? But if we should suffer, if someone should talk bad about you, He's talking about suffering for righteousness sake. You know, the government coming against you or uh, people from other religions like coming against you for preaching the truth. He says even if you should suffer, even if bad stuff happens, you will be blessed. Why? Because you bless. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the, the Lord, as holy. I was being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Guys, we need to be living a life in which we're giving, we're able to give that answer as to why we're able to live this way. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I love it because I've seen it time and time again in my own life as people try to come against, like say, it happens, I'll just let you know. But people come against our church, or they come against pastor, or they come against our deacons, and I'm like, come against us, because I believe that we're doing the will of God. And we always see that God's glorified in the end, even when people come against you. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I'm reading a book right now, it's... Uh, it's called To the Golden Shore by, uh, it's, it's, it's the biography of the first 
uh, Baptist missionary overseas. Happens in the early 1800s. The guy's name is Adoniram Judson. And uh, he, he goes through a time in his life where he's trying to figure out. He, he really wants to be like a, like a deist. He doesn't really want to, you know, he wants to think God's out here and not really in control or God's not involved. But then he has a, a come to Jesus meeting, so to speak. And then he, the Lord blesses him. And he, he, he gets married. They go overseas to, uh, to India, to, to Burma. I'm reading through this book, and it's hard to read sometimes because it's, sometimes it's just so depressing. The trials they went through. Friends having kids, and the kids dying, and the wife dying, and, and, and they're, they're, they're sick with disease, and you're thinking, they're doing the will of God, right? What's going on here? Well, he did all that not because of namesake, and he really, he got into it because he wanted to be a great name. He wanted to be like a great missionary, a great preacher, or whatever. But as he gets into it, he realizes that the only one he wants to make great is Jesus. So even in our suffering, we're, we're glorifying God because God is in control. Amen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteousness, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Church, today, it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to live out our faith. We are made for more. We are made more than just living what the world says and, and, and behaving as the world behaves. We, we need to behave in a very different way. We need to be a people who, historically, we've been a people of the book. We need to continue being a people of the book, that the Word of God is not just a, a, a collection of stories or, or poetry or whatever, but these words that we read, the words I've read to you today, are the words of God. That even if I was to not have any access to a written word, the word is still true. Amen? John 1 tells us that Jesus was the word. And in the beginning, he was there creating everything. And through it all, he's there. And one day, we will be in heaven glorifying him because he is all righteousness and goodness. And so in this life, we need to pursue that way. We need to be being a people who pursue righteousness and pursue goodness in this world. And not by our own power, but by the power of God. Church, are you with me on that? Let's go out this week and be forgivers and lovers. Let's be people who, who go the extra step. That we don't just seek peace, but we also we pursue it. We go after it. Are there people in your life you don't have peace with? Pursue peace with them this week. I mean, be irritating to them that you're forgiving them so much, that you're loving them so much. And why is that? It's because we need to give people a reason for the hope that lies here. And I think the big question this morning is, is there hope in you today? Do you have hope? Give people a reason for that. You can go to heaven and be a terrible person. I get that. We're not saved by our works. But we need to be a people who do this, that if there's hope here, if there's hope in our life, people need to look at us and be able to say, oh, there's a reason there. And that reason is God. And today, if you don't know Christ, what we're talking about here is just a little different. It's a little foreign, but maybe you're feeling that tug on your heart just to seek this out a little more. I want you to understand that every person in here, myself included, are sinners. But because of what Christ did at the cross of Calvary, that brings righteousness to all people. Christ didn't have to do it, but he didn't just seek out peace. He pursued it to the cross. And today you can know Christ too by admitting to God that you're a sinner, 
by believing Jesus is who He said He was and confessing Him as your Savior and your Lord. Today is the day to repent of sin, to turn from it, and to follow Christ. If God is calling you to that today, I, w- I want to invite you to come to these altars and pray. Church, if God is calling you to a deeper walk and relationship, a realness in your walk, I want you to come to these altars today. Quit holding those, those baggage that, that you carry around all the time. Quit holding that stuff. Quit, quit holding grudges against people. Quit holding anger against people. You, today, come to these altars and give your life to God 100% fully and say, God, I want to follow you. I understand that whatever evil may come against me, Lord, you can turn it to good. That's following Jesus.